0: You know, I really believe, I'm going to pray in a minute to this end, but I really believe that uh, what I'm going to speak has the potential to uh, change your life, maximize living is the theme, it's the, the title that we've chosen. Um, but if we can really take hold of this truth that I'm going to speak, uh, I'm telling you, it, it, it can move us forward so that we can know a life that maybe we've never known before. So let's pray to that end. Gracious God, we are with you now, and we do pray that we are blessing you in this place. That, Lord, uh, as we worship you, that uh, you really know our hearts, and, and, and you hear us sing these, these songs uh, honoring you and, and thanking you, and that you receive them as, as really meaningful prayers, essentially. And that, God, um, that, that, uh, that your heart is warmed, that you are, a smile is brought to your face, you are pleased that we are with you now. Lord, this is all about a relationship with you as we bless you and out of your love for us, you bless us. We just pray that we'll find the richness of worship today. Lord, take the things that I'm about to say, I pray and use them powerfully in the life of every person here. Um, By your spirit, um, touch people deeply and, and let them think again about life and how they're doing it and how they might maximize life in you. So come now, Holy Spirit of God, and do your work in us. We're open to you. We invite you to this place and into our minds and into our hearts. Come and do your work, we pray. Amen. We'll maximize living, living the best way that we can possibly live. Um, That's the theme. That's the series. That's what we're looking at with some... Hopefully with some intentionality and, and, and vigor, I hope that you're eager to know and to grow in this area of life. I think the best way to start today is me asking you this question. What is the one thing in life that you think, if you could take hold of, would make your life better? I want everybody to engage this. I'm, I'm, I'm really into this. What is the one thing that, that could happen in your experience that could make your life better? You know, I heard about the fellow who won the lottery. It was it $77 million this past week. Is it winning the lottery that would make your life better? Having a lot of cash on hand that you don't have at the moment? Is that it? How about if you're not married finding Ms. Wright or Mr. Wright? There, that's the relationship. If I could take hold of that relationship, that's the kind of thing that would fulfill my life and satisfy me and make things better. Well, you know what? The reality is there are many things that I think probably are dwelling in your minds right now. A lot of things. Uh, that people say, if I could just take hold of this, if I could get there, if I could find that job that, you know, other than the one that I've got, but one that I could really enjoy going to every day, and on and on it goes. What is that one thing? What is it? Well, in Judges chapter 6, it's the Gideon story that we're studying over these weeks. Israel's in a bad way. This is just a recap for those of you who might not have been here last week. The enemy, the Midianites, are coming like on an annual basis. They're coming as a horde of people, people that, you know, that, that can't be counted, and they're powerful, and they come, and, and they come and they destroy, and they kill. They destroy all the animals, the livestock. They take all the crops, or they destroy them so that Israel is left living in caves out of fear that they, they are hopeless in terms of turning back this enemy. They can't you know, change the way things are. They're, they're, they're defeated, uh, and they're at a place in life that uh, it just seems that things aren't going to get any better. Could represent some of our lives if we're in one of those places where things are tough. Well, what God has done is essentially take a hands-off approach to his people, and he does it sometimes. It's redemptive, it's out of love, it's intentional, and yes, sometimes we struggle, but sometimes it's so that we will grow in faith and be drawn back into relationship with him. He's taken this hands-off approach, and he's done it because they are engaged in ongoing idolatry. They are worshiping other gods, the gods of their neighbors, made of wood and of stone. Let me read this uh, to you, Uh, Judges chapter six, verses seven to 10. The beginning of the chapter talks about the dynamic and how they're suffering, and then comes this. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, eventually they got to that place where they finally turned back to God, and that's described previously. He sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You have not listened to me. And you know, my friends, this this is their dynamic. This is their circumstance. This is their huge problem that's keeping them from maximizing life. And they're struggling and they're hurting as a result. They're worshiping Baal. Baal worship was was um, uh, a fertility cult uh, it was a a, a worship of, of of a stone statue very literally in the belief that that stone statue had the power to bless their lives i want you to get this they honestly had come to believe that if they would sacrifice to this stone pillar if they would worship this stone pillar that stone pillar had the power to act on their behalf to make a difference in their lives you know, to be effective for their good. Um, particularly in terms of the fertility cult idea, they were looking for children. Early in the Old Testament, there was not a formed understanding of life after death. And people literally thought that their lives would have lasting meaning by having children. So it was incredibly important to have children in that instance, never mind what the children could do for you in your circumstance. And then, of course, with Crops they wanted the crops to be fertile they wanted to produce wealth for them and provide for their need their basic need for food but also for their prosperity and they literally believed with all of their hearts that these idols had the power to give them what they needed and to bring them life life well god's response to this dynamic is always the same by the way this was a repeated problem of god's people in the old testament and guess what it continues to be a repeated problem in the life of God's people now. And we're going to get to that. But what God's response to this was, even from the earliest days, is do not worship idols before me. Ten commandments are being formed after the Israelites are saved from slavery. We read about it there. They, they meet God at Sinai. God gives them the Ten Commandments. And the first two essentially are these. Um, Have no other gods before me. That's pretty straightforward. Just don't, do, don't go there. Don't do that. Second one is, make no image of anything in heaven or earth and bow down to it. People, <laughs> don't do it, God says. This is not what I want for you. And God told them this for two primary reasons. Number one, God knew that these idols were powerless to give his people what they needed. Listen to Psalm 115, 2-7. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven, he does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Now, this comes much later, of course, in scripture and in the process of the nation of Israel's development and growth but it's God communicating a reality about idols. Not made of stone, as is the case in Judges chapter six, but in the time of the, of, of the psalmist. And what God is saying to his people is, they're not living beings, they have no power, they can't do anything for you. Listen to Isaiah 45, verse 20. Gather together and come, assemble you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood who pray to gods that cannot save. Now I want you to think just a little bit about this dynamic. God knew it and he, and, he, and he understood it, but these people think that these inanimate objects made of stone for the most part also at times of wood, they literally thought these inanimate objects had power, but they didn't. It's almost like they were fooled somehow into believing this dynamic. They were looking to something for power, for effect, and it had no effect. It couldn't have effect. It couldn't bless in any way. And the second reason God is so keen on people not worshiping idols is very obvious from this story. That instead of giving life, actually the opposite is what people experience. So see, they're worshiping idols in the hope of having life and fertility and children and crops and blessing abundant. But they end up living in caves and they're hungry and they're hopeless and they're oppressed by a powerful force far greater than they. That's why God calls in verse one of this chapter what they have done, evil. You know, they have turned away from God to other things and ended up Harmed. And I want to tell you, God loves His people way too much to not intervene in that circumstance. He loves them way too much to call this anything but what it is evil. And I want to tell you how we can bring some direct application to our lives in terms of us finding maximized living from this text. The point is really, really simple. If we engage in what I want to call today modern-day idolatry, by turning away from God to believing in other things, having the power to bless us and to give us life, the things that we long for, to have effect and make a difference in our lives, we will end up not only without life, but with the opposite of life, the life that we long for. We will end up, figuratively speaking, living in caves, hungry, hopeless, hopeless, and oppressed. And the point is this, God is the only one who can give real life to people. God, listen to me, is the only one who can give the life that we long for, real life, to people. He can bless us. <laughs> he can bless us in incredible ways, and it is his desire to do, do so. The Lord God is living and powerful, unlike a piece of stone or wood. He is alive and he is real and he is powerful and it is he who, who can give us what we long to know in life. So, what are modern day idols? I'm going to begin by sharing you one that I struggle with. Not new to you, I've told you before. But here's what I want you to do as I march through some modern day idols. I literally want you to identify one at least idol that you turn to that you hope will give you life that you hope will bless you, that you will hope will make the difference in your life. Well, the one for me is food. (laughs) And eating too much of it. Especially sweet stuff. Here's my belief. And I think this was wired into me as a child because my mother was one fantastic cook and baker. And I just, you know, grew up with that. Desserts every day, homemade, I won't go on. But there is a belief somewhere still deep in my soul And I wish it wasn't there, but it's there. That food, when I'm down or tired or struggling in some way, that somehow food will satisfy the deepest need of my soul and give me life. Now I bet you there are people in here who experience the very same thing. When you're down, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're just tired out and exhausted, what do you do? You go to the freezer and you pull the ice cream out and you just start eating out of the tub, right? Yeah, I know what I'm talking to here. Or you go to the cookie jar. And you just, and, and you know, in the moment it feels good. And in the moment we think, oh, this is great. This is, this is satisfying me. But I'm telling you, food can become an idol when we eat it in an ungodly fashion, when we turn to it to, to meet our needs as opposed to literally turning to Jesus Christ and finding our needs met in him now what happens when somebody engages in idolatry according to the text it ends up hurting us that's my point to you today well the first main point to you today what happens when people don't treat their bodies as the temple of the holy spirit as we are called to not not eating in a godly fashion which i am too often tempted toward not always but too often well i want to tell you we can find ourselves in an incredibly unhealthy place Think diabetes, think heart disease, think stroke. Think about too much weight which injures our our, our joints and I could go on and on and on. And you see the point is the same my friends. When we step away from God and worshiping God by how we eat and honoring him as God, listening to him and we turn away from him as the source of that which will satisfy our need when we're down and struggling and, and, and hungry and tired. And we don't go to Jesus very literally, enter into his presence in prayer, say, Jesus, feed me, satisfy me, help me. And we head off to the cookie jar. <laughs> we are worshiping an idol, very often, which becomes oppressive and we can't break free from. And we do that which will ultimately harm ourselves. I think I might have shared with you before a phrase that a Uh, A Scottish friend of my parents told me, probably in the 70s when they came to visit, he said there are a lot, he was a big man too, he said there are a lot of old men, there are a lot of fat men, but there aren't a lot of old fat men. Why? Because if if you're getting older and and you're really heavy, it's likely going to kill you prematurely. Right? It just is. This is the dynamic that sometimes we deal with when it's substances. Sometimes it's alcohol, think substance. You know, in the moment it feels good. You know, we drink too much and we don't honor God and what he has called us to do and, 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 and we long for it sometimes too much. Sometimes it's, it's drug abuse and use and it helps us cope with our hurts and helps us feel better in the moment but they have no power to save us. Only God can. I'll give you another one of mine that's a bit historic now. I can say thank God for his grace in this but for me it was people pleasing. People, you. Here's the deal, people pleasing and, and the need to do so, it becomes a primary desire and motivation in a person's life. I lived this way for a lot of my life. You know, the idea is that I'll be okay, I will find life, I will be safe, I will know significance if I can get people to like me and approve of me. And I want to tell you, my friends, it's a really bad idea to become a pastor if you're a people pleaser because there are a lot of people (laughs) that you try to please. And you know what happened in my life as a result? I lived a life for too long of stress and of anxiety and of being driven and in the end burning out so that I could hardly function in my job anymore. I needed that protracted uh, sabbatical that many of you know of. Um, It hurts us. When we put people on a pedestal and we worship them, we look to them to meet the needs that we have in our lives. I want to read Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 10 for you. This blew me away one day when I was reading it a long time ago. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Kind of like one or the other. Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I just blew my mind when I read it at the right time but empowered by the spirit of God speaking into my life. It's, it's, it's like you can try to please me or you can try to please people but don't try to do both. One's idolatry. One is worshiping the living God. And the reality is, my friends, we can come into a relationship with Jesus and we can come to know at the depth of our being that he completely approves of us, that he, that he likes us, that that that. that that he's in that place in our lives to provide for us significance and, 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 and meaning. We never have to fear his rejection. In that place, we will find life. How about this one, work as idol? You know, work is a gift of God, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. It's meant to be a blessing to us it's it's something that, that God calls us to. He gave Adam and Eve the, the care of creation. And he said, go and and work hard and allow it to be a blessing in your life, as a means of serving me, of course. But I want to tell you, work is the power, does not have the power to give life. So that when we start to live for it, we start to make significant sacrifice sacrifices for it, when we start to make it all important in life, what happens? Uh, Well, it starts to harm us. It's called workaholism now, right? It starts to harm us emotionally and physically. You know, we can be so driven in in our jobs and thinking that this is everything and I'm going to live my life for that, that it starts to harm us physically and emotionally. Think about relationships. Marriages don't get the attention they need when husband or wife are working all the time. They just don't get the attention they need. Children grow up without the presence emotionally and physically of mom or dad which they desperately need to grow up and to develop well. And in the end workaholism can deplete us to the point of significant harm. It just can. How about this idea? Not people pleasing but an actual person. Do you know you can make a person in your life God? And you can worship them? really really common think about someone who who you know who we want in our lives who might give us life you know if i just getting back to this idea of finding the right person and if i could just marry that person then my need will be met then my need for security will be met then my need for for um satisfaction will be met then i will be fulfilled in a way that i am i'm not now significance Me think that a person a man or a woman can somehow meet our deepest needs newsflash they cannot and they were never intended to meet our deepest needs only God can you see it's really unfair to be in a marriage relationship for example and to look to that other person to provide for you all of the needs that are very real in your life no human being can accomplish that And it's only going to, in the end, produce struggle and difficulty and challenge in marriage. The person will be weighed down by the demands. And and the person looking for the love and the significance and the belonging and the care will be unsatisfied because they're looking to a human for what only God can provide. See, my friends, it is only God. And if you were with us last fall, you're going to... uh, hopefully remember some of these needs that I'm going to describe to you that are very deep and profound in a person's life. It is only God who can provide for us our need of love and our need of belonging and our need for security and our need for significance. Only God, not a person. And we need to not turn toward people. We need to turn toward the person of Jesus Christ and find in our relationship with him all of those deep needs satisfied. My friends, there is life. That is life because Jesus can do what a person can't. How about sexuality as a God? It's a big deal in our culture. But we turn away from God's commands and God's design, thinking this is what will satisfy me, this is what will fulfill me, whether it be sexuality prior to marriage or outside marriage, or other than what God's word teaches us. And we hope, you know, I need someone to love me and, 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 and want to experience that. I, I want to be significant and think maybe through this engagement, I will find significance but in the end my friends what the passage teaches is that idolatry if we give that place in life and look to it for to fulfill our needs it will only become destructive you know multiple partners uh, really produce trust issues in marriage did you know that? (laughs) You know, this, this, this activity that God has designed and blessed us with and given to us is intended to create this bonding experience between two people for a lifetime. But when there have been multiple partners, that bonding struggles to happen. Why? Because trust has been broken too many times. You know, sometimes it's... Sometimes it's um, um, a reality in marriage when even sexual experience isn't maximized, can I put it that way, because of previous history. I read an article years ago in Christianity Today, a really reputable magazine, and they had done a survey of all the different demographics in society in terms of sexual fulfillment in marriage. And you know the group of people who reported the highest degree of satisfaction in marriage? Conservative Christians blew the mind of many people. And they, they identified them as Roman Catholic people and evangelical Protestants. People who strive to their by the grace of God at least, in order to, to honor him and to do this area of life as he calls them to. You see, my friends, harm can come into our our relationships if indeed we don't worship the Lord, if we don't put him first, if we don't honor him in all aspects of our lives. How about money? Another primary God of our culture. You know, if I only had more money, if I, was, if I had only become that guy who won the 77 million last week or whatever it was, I saw two numbers, 77 million and 70 million. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I was only that guy, then I'd be happy. You know, then my deepest needs would be met. <clears> hmm. <throat> If you honestly think that, ask people. The majority of people who have won the lottery will tell you it actually brought harm into their lives. Ask people with a lot of money if it's all fun and games or if it's a difficult thing to manage. I want to read 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Now, this is for people who believe the Bible and who actually want to hear God's word, God's perspective, God's thoughts about wanting to get rich. Listen to this. Those who want to get rich now, it's kind of like I just want to pause there. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Stop there. <laughs> okay, people of God, <laughs> if you believe at all in the authority of Scripture, listen to that in this culture. Listen to that. We are not called to desire to get rich because according to the word of God, it only brings harm into our lives. Now let's go on. For the love of money, note that distinction, it's not money itself, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What's the biblical truth? (laughs) Making money your God will lead to harm thinking, if I can just have a lot of money in the bank, you know, then I will be secure, then I will have significance. Instead of looking to the Lord to provide security and significance for us and meaning and purpose. It is so clear in Scripture. Here's my point to you today. One, I keep saying that. Here's one of the things I want you to know. Think about the Israelites. They worshipped other idols. They ended up Oppressed. The power of the enemy came upon them and they could not break free from that which was harming their lives. And I want to tell you, whether it's food or substances or people pleasing or work or a person or sexuality or money or the other idols of this modern day which could fill my page if we took time with them. If we make those our God, if we worship them by the way we live if we sacrifice in order to take hold of them if they become all important in our experience we will end up oppressed by our enemy and we will not be able to break free and I'm speaking of our enemy the devil because sin as we engage it whether it be with food or with alcohol or with sexuality or with money it doesn't matter all these good things that God has given to be a blessing in our lives if we make them our God if we turn to them to satisfy our deepest needs instead of the Lord we will end up oppressed and we will not be able to break free from the power of sin And I've said to you several times today. There is. This is the point that I want you to know. Okay, forget all that. This is the point that I want you to know. While all of these things which we chase after and long for, and worship, <laughs> promise to bless us, they they can't. But I want to tell you this today, my friends. There is one, who can, and his name is Jesus. I want you to watch this
1: video. Everyone worships. Sure, not everyone wants to call it worship or even think about what they're doing, but everyone worships something. Everyone has some ultimate thing that they center their life around, something or someone that they hope will give their life meaning or purpose. For some, it's religion. For others, it's money. For some, it's fun. For others, it's success, or power, or science, or knowledge, or beauty, or popularity. For some, it's love, or sex. For some, it's their family. But the Bible says All things were made by Jesus, and for Jesus. This means we were created to worship, but there is only one who is really worthy of our worship. That's why nothing else in this world satisfies. We keep on looking, we keep on striving, we keep on buying, but nothing delivers. Nothing brings us that deep satisfaction that we long for. But when you live your life with Jesus as the centre, you're doing exactly what you're created to do. You're right in the place you're supposed to be. So the irony is that when we give our lives over to worship Jesus, that's when we actually find ourselves everyone worships, but we were made to worship just one.
0: So my friends, what is it that you worship? It's a profound question. It's a serious question. It's an important question. Because as this video has suggested, We are created to worship Jesus. To know him. To place him above all else. To live for him. To obey his word. And in so doing, to find life in him. You know, I I think there are a couple of realities here to be spoken to. There may be people here today who don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. This is maybe news to you. The idea that, you know, there is something to live for, someone to live for, someone to worship in this life other than all the things that the world suggests we might. And I'm here to say, yes, his name is Jesus and you can have relationship with him. You can discover relationship with him. All it it takes is in faith, us just closing our eyes at some point and saying, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I pray you will forgive my sin and I invite you into my life. From this point forward, I want to worship you and you alone. If you do that, you will begin a journey with him that will transform your life. And you will have then the potential to have the deepest needs of your life met in the one person who can actually meet them. So for those of you who may be here today and if you've never taken that step of faith and entered into a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to do it in all sincerity, by faith, through prayer. Just invite Christ into your life. And from that moment forward, you will know him. And you will begin a journey with him that can lead to what I'm describing today, maximize living. The other category are those people like the Israelites who are the people of God? This is an interesting dynamic, and I re- referenced it last week, but I want to do it again. These people were the people of God, and they were worshiping other idols, trusting in other things to provide for them what they needed. You know what, my friends? It's really possible to believe but to engage in idolatry in an ongoing fashion. It's impossible to believe the right stuff but to turn away from the living, all-powerful, loving, blessing God who can satisfy the deepest needs of our souls, to turn away from Him to a multitude of other things created things that will only ultimately bring harm into our lives if we worship them and i want to speak to the people of god today just as i've spoken to those who may yet need to enter into relationship with jesus and become part of the people of god and i just want to say you know from the bottom of my heart my friends know what your idols are know what you turn to i hope and i pray today God, by His Spirit, has already started to point some of these out for you. Know what you look for and what you live for, what you sacrifice for, what you worship. Anything other than the living God. And as you start to identify those things, and as you're tempted, as at times I'm tempted to go to food to satisfy the deepest longings of my soul, I want to implore you to learn to turn away from those idols. And as these israelites did in the end turn back to the living god because it is in him that we find life not only do i want you to learn to identify and turn away from idols and back to the living god can i suggest this my friends that you give yourself to pursuing a deeper experience of jesus that you give yourself to developing a deeper experience of of Christ. When I say there are times that I go to the cookies or I go to the ice cream container instead of going to Jesus, I'm talking about times also when instead of going there, I go to him and I sit in his presence and I know that he is with me and I am reminded that I am loved and that there is nothing that I need to prove to anybody in the world. And it is Christ by his spirit who satisfies the deepest needs in my heart in that moment. And in that moment, I am worshiping him because I am recognizing him for who he is. So people of God, I don't know your idols. I could guess. I've kind of tried to identify some here that just seem obvious because of the culture. I don't know what they are. But I say to you, know what they are. Turn away from them and turn to the living God and find in him life. Maximized. Can I say at the beginning of a year, generally speaking, 2020, that you give yourself to going deeper in your relationship with Christ? You know, whether it be through giving greater priority to your time with him on your own in your home, your devotional life, whether it be attending a life group, whether it be worshiping regularly, whether it be reading books that help you unpack what it means to follow Jesus, whether it means going to healing care ministry to have the deepest wounds of your life met through the experience of the healing presence of Jesus. There are so many ways to go deeper in your relationship with him. My friends, that's what we need to do because when we can encounter him in this fashion, We're not going to need idols anymore. And we're not going to experience the harm that they bring into our lives anymore. We are going to find life. Find life in Jesus, my friends. Maximize life alone in him. Let's pray. Lord, your word, scripture, this book, the Bible promises to bring us life and we believe today that as we have thought about what it speaks that we have been given words of life. They have called us to turn away from idolatry as you called the Israelites of ancient times away from idolatry. And you called them to worship you and you alone because you knew God. God that you were able to give them what they needed. You were the one who would give them life. So Lord, I pray for every person in this room here today, whether they be people who have not yet stepped into relationship with Jesus, I pray that some of those people will, Lord. You'll give them that grace, that you'll call them, that you'll give them the heart's desire to say yes to Christ. Lord, whether it be the people who believe but as in days of old are idol worshipers at the same time, lord i pray for every person here who who claims the name of jesus that by your spirit you'll help them know what their idol is and i pray god by the grace and the work of your spirit in their lives that they will learn to turn away from that idol and turn to jesus and go deeper in their relationship with him that they might find their souls satisfied in the living god that their need for love and their need for the belonging, their need for security, their need for significance and their need for purpose will be found through their relationship with Jesus. Lord, we need help in this because (laughs) it's so human to do the other. But I pray, God, we pray together that you will move by your Holy Spirit and that idolatry will not be part of this people of God anymore so that we might find life in him. Do your work in us, we pray. Lord, we need you to do this. You are a powerful God who will intervene and you will act and you will have effect. And we pray now that you will do this, Lord. Work by your spirit in us. We might worship you and you alone. That we might find life in Jesus. God, this we pray in his name.